Christian faith is rational in that it makes sense intellectually. Things like, for example, the Christian faith is built on verifiable history as recorded in the Bible. The Christian faith is certainly not not irrational, but though it's rational, you cannot limit it to the purely rational. For example, God created everything out of nothing. Jesus rose from the dead. Those sorts of things don't simply happen in a purely rational world. And both of those things, that the Christian faith is rational, but that you cannot limit it to the rational, are both very, very important when it comes to this morning's subject of the spiritual gift called speaking in tongues. Now, we're in a year-long series, as you'll know, going through the whole of 2023, speaking about the kingdom of God. And this particular term, this part of that series, we're focusing on kingdom power because God is all-powerful. There is nothing outside of his power. And his power, he works in us and for us and through us. And it's a reign, it's a powerful reign that decisively broke into the world and into history in the person of Jesus. In this kind of way. In the Old Testament, he was prophesied about. And then the person of Jesus comes. And on him, the Spirit is poured out. And then he promises that he will pour out the Spirit on his people. And then as soon as he's ascended to heaven, you turn over to the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament set up for us a pattern of what life in the Spirit looks like. And one of the things that this new life in the power of the Spirit includes is what are called spiritual gifts. Gifts given by the Holy Spirit to equip God's people for relationship with God and service to others. And in the New Testament, Paul lists some of these gifts in three particular places. In Romans 12, he cites these ones, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading. In 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he speaks of a different kind of gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. And I do not believe there is a single good argument to say that God does not intend those gifts to be in operation among his people today. Those gifts are intended to be operating today, every single one of them. So here at CityGate, we are, bear with me, continuationists, not cessationists. Cessationism is a part of the Christian world that says that the Holy Spirit gave gifts, like the ones I've just mentioned, to kick things off, to get the rocket into orbit. But they're not needed anymore. We have the Bible. 
That cessationism, those gifts have ceased. The other side of the coin, the other argument is that those gifts continue today. We here at CityGate are continuationists. And our biblical reasoning for that position could be summed up as, as I just explained to you, prophecy, person, promise, pouring out, and pattern. Now, when I was 18, uh, I was in a church that is still part of our family of churches, and I went to a youth camp, a smaller youth camp than those of you who've been to New Day, but a youth camp nonetheless. And at that youth camp, they were talking about being prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that there is power for this new life. You decide to follow Jesus, well, there's, we need power to do that, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized, initially baptized in the Holy Spirit was what they were talking about. I remember being prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I remember a dramatic nothing. (laughs) Nothing happening at all. Well, careful what I say. I felt nothing had happened. Anyway, I go back. I go back home to my home church and that very next Sunday evening, the pastor said to me, See what a difference that makes? And I thought, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> I felt no difference at all. And yet it apparently, being filled with the Holy Spirit, has had some observable effect. I believe being filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit will always have some noticeable, discernible effect somehow. But I had a battle going on because... There was this thing called speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages. I'll explain in a moment. And for me, as a shy, I know it's hard to believe, shy 18-year-old, it was a real battle going on. And here's what I realized. I can only pursue speaking in tongues if I am biblically convinced about it. I would put that forward as an argument for many, many things. And this passage that I'm just about to read for you, so get your Bibles out if you've got one, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 was hugely important. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Paul's writing and says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, in another language, does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue um, edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Let's jump on down. 13. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. 
but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you're saying? You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Four questions. What, why, when, how? What is speaking in tongues? Well, a tongue is a flappy muscular organ in your mouth. Or it means a language. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about languages. Here's my definition of speaking in tongues. It's a verbal gift when you speak that God gives to enable us to communicate with him in praise and prayer in an unknown language that we have not learned, in words we don't understand the meaning of, but which God hears and understands. So verse 2, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now, I think my experience is that sometimes speaking in tongues, there is, it's just like speaking normally. And sometimes there's an extra depth and sense of feeling and meaning and yeah, depth in my communication with God. Now, in one sense, it's a gift. The ability to speak in tongues, spiritually God-given languages, is a gift, and Paul asks in, the pre, in two chapters before, he says this, do all speak in tongues? By which he means no. And we certainly would not believe that everybody filled by the Spirit, the proof of that is speaking in tongues, as some other Christians might believe. But Paul clearly has a widespread expectation that it's a gift God distributes to many. So he says in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. What is speaking in tongues? It's speaking in a God-given spiritual language in order to communicate with God in ways that sometimes just go beyond your natural learned language. What? Why? Why should I speak in tongues? Here's, here's one reason. One reason is simply, if it's a gift from God and God only gives good gifts, then by logic, who wouldn't, wouldn't want what he lovingly gives for our good? The big answer, of course, to why should I speak in tongues, which is the one I was wrestling with when I was 18, should I get into speaking in tongues? Is that something I should go after? Is It's in the Bible. It's part of normal New Testament Christianity. Paul's speaking about here, it here in 1 Corinthians 14 to correct some stuff that's going wrong. But because it's part of normal New Testament Christianity, if you read the book of Acts, there are two specific, three specific places where people filled with the Holy Spirit are heard to be speaking in other languages that they haven't learned. By the way, not necessarily human languages, spiritual languages. But the question, despite those answers, the question must arise... 
Unless you are familiar with speaking in tongues, the question must arise, it certainly arose for me when I was 18, if I don't know what I'm saying, what's the point of speaking in tongues? Has anybody else ever asked that question? It's a pretty darn good question. So verse 14, Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. For Westerners, that's an issue. But that's not to say that my mind is disengaged or taken over by the Holy Spirit. It's certainly not divine ventriloquism. It's my spirit praying or praising God. Unfruitful, by the way, doesn't mean pointless. Contrary to people who argue against speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It's not nonsense. It's not mindless sounds. In my experience, when I'm speaking or praising in tongues, I know that I'm praising God. I'm, it's not gibberish. I'm not, well, maybe he's talking about the weather. Who knows? Maybe he's talking about what he had for dinner last night. No, I know that I'm praising God. Or I know what I'm praying about. That's my experience. I don't know the words. I, can't, I couldn't translate the words for you. I don't know the meaning of those words, but I know what I'm praying about. I might be praying for Doug, and I'm praying in English, and then I'm, I know those words, and then I'm praying in tongues for him, but I know I'm praying for Doug. It's not gibberish. It's not nonsense, but it's still a fair question. Why speak in tongues if I don't understand what I'm saying? There are a few clues in this passage. Firstly, God understands. God understands. Verse 2, anyone who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, who clearly understands what's being said. Secondly, we are edifying ourselves by the fact that we are interacting with God. It's just a good and a healthy thing to do. It's a biblical thing to do. We are edifying ourselves. Verse 4, Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. In contrast to anyone who prophesies, edifies, or strengthens the church. Thirdly, we're engaging, when we're speaking in tongues, speaking in the Spirit, if you like, we're engaging that part of us that is most in tune with God. So verses 14 and 15, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What shall I do, Paul says? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will pray for Doug in my known language, understanding exactly what I'm saying, and I will pray in the spirit. So praying or praising in tongues doesn't replace praying or praising in your natural, usual language, it's in addition to it. Paul says, what shall I do? The answer, both. It's a bit like my youngest son has just bought a dual-fuel car. It's a hybrid. It's not one or the other. It's both, and there are advantages in that. Sometimes it's electric and silent when it starts off fully charged, and then other times, it works on petrol. It's not entirely dissimilar. What shall I do? Paul would say, we should pray with our natural language, and we should pray 
in tongues and praise in tongues. When should I, what, why, when should I speak in tongues? Well, here you need a little bit of context for what's going on in why Paul is writing this stuff to the church in Corinth. It seems in that church that speaking in tongues has become a way for some in the church to show, see how spiritual I am. See how amazing my speaking in tongues is. So you'd have a church meeting maybe going on, which wouldn't have been quite like this. But people are getting up and they're just shouting across in tongues. Someone might be preaching and someone's shouting in tongues. Some, this is going on over there, but someone else, no, I'm going to speak in tongues and disturb you all. It's utter chaos. Some are addressing everybody with their spiritual language with no regard at all for the fact that no one can understand a word what's being said. Later on in verse 20, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In other words, grow up. And hence, in chapters 12, 13, 14, you've got a love sandwich. Chapter 12, Paul starts talking about the body and gifts and so on. Chapter 14, he's talking about the two gifts of prophecy and tongues. In the middle is the famous 1 Corinthians 13 that's usually taken out of context with no reference to chapter 12, chapter 14. It's put there to say these spiritual gifts, yes, don't use them like this. Use them with love. Now, interestingly, what Paul doesn't say, because it's chaos in this church in Corinth, and spiritual gifts are being abused and misused, what he doesn't say is, well, because these, this speaking in tongues business is causing so much trouble, just stop it. No more speaking in tongues because it's all going wrong. He doesn't say that. Because the corrective to the misuse abuse or disuse of any spiritual gift, including speaking in tongues, is not no use, but the right use of that spiritual gift. So some churches say it's all too weird and a little bit crazy, and clearly it all goes wrong, because Corinth, and I've heard some crazy stories about spiritual gifts and prophecy and speaking in tongues, we better just not do it. That's not what Paul says. Use them rightly, is what he says. So Paul says that he speaks in tongues. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul is advocating the gift of speaking in tongues. And he's clearly encouraging the Corinthians to speak in tongues too. But when? When? Well, two instances really. One is privately. Use this gift as a private, on your own, means of prayer and praise to build yourself up in God, to edify yourself. Anyone who speaks in a tongue speaks to God and edifies themselves. Speaking in tongues, some people I know find is really helpful when I still want to keep praising or praying, but I've run out of English. I've kind of used up everything, but I still, I still feel like there's more to give. Speaking in tongues can be really, really helpful. It seems that Paul in private uses this gift and is encouraging others to do likewise. But I would say also, it's a gift for use individually, though we're all together. 
You'll have to concentrate and try and understand what I'm saying here. We'll get on to public use of tongues in a minute. But there are times, there was a time this morning, don't know if you noticed it, the band were playing, they played us a song, we'd been, they hadn't played us a song, that's not worship, is it? That's a terrible definition of worship. They had led us in worship with a song, that's better. And at the end of that song, they kept playing, and you may have noticed, some people here kept singing. And others were speaking or singing in tongues. Now, I would still call that individual use of that gift. It's not addressed to anybody. It's individual use of that gift, though it's in this setting. So firstly, use this gift when on your own. Secondly, use this gift in the congregation or in a life group. Now, this is what Paul is mainly addressing in this passage. Using this gift publicly, intentionally addressing the church with it. Now the issue here, of course, is that no one understands what's being said. The Corinthians didn't care, they just thought it was a good show of spirituality. But no one understands what's being said. When you are praising God in the Spirit, Paul says, how can someone else who's now put in the position of an inquirer say amen or agree with your thanksgiving? They don't know what you're saying. What should happen then? Well, a public tongue, as Paul says here, should be interpreted so that put into our main language, here that's English, so that it can now be understood by those who are being addressed. Note this. It is an interpretation, not a translation. It's not the words that the tongue speaker gave being translated. It's the sense of what they said being interpreted. And you may have noticed it's often in the same form. If someone has publicly brought a message in tongues, it will often be spoken back. But it could be that it's been sung and then it's spoken back. It's, but it's often in the same form. And in practice, how does this happen? Well, James here uh, is in worship. We're all worshipping. We're in a meeting together or he's in his life group. And he feels... Deep within himself, he feels, because he's been praying in tongues or praising in tongues in this meeting, and he feels like, I think, I think this is meant to be brought publicly. It's a bit like a, a prophecy. How do you know it's not just a message for you? Well, sometimes you just think, I think this needs to be brought publicly. And so he brings, he comes up in this context, he comes to the front, and he brings his message, his prayer or his praise in tongues publicly so that we are addressed with it. What must happen then, so, sorry, at this point, does anybody understand what's going on? What he said? No, it's in an unlearned heavenly language. It's a gift, it's a spiritual language, no one understands. Which is why Paul says, then there must be an interpretation. Not a translation, but an interpretation. Someone will be here, if God has given him that gift, then someone will have given someone or him the gift of interpreting that prayer or praise in tongues. And so often, 
we would wait. Sometimes an interpretation will come very quickly. Gordon knows he's just got it. Sometimes no one brings it up. And so we might say, let's just wait a minute for the gift, someone with the gift of interpreting what James has brought in tongues. If nothing is forthcoming for a while, we will move on because it would just be awkward. I'm sorry, you can't go home. I know it's two o'clock, but you can't go home because we haven't had the interpretation. But we will still look for an interpretation at some point in the meeting. It's interesting. I've observed this by asking people over the years. Often, James has brought a tongue publicly addressed. Gordon, let's use him, has interpreted it. I've been to James afterwards to say, how how did, did that sort of feel right? And almost always they'll say, yeah, that's just kind of what was going on in me. It's really interesting. What's that? Is that just weird? No. God's given him a gift, and God's given him a gift for our blessing, and we all understood it. Excellent. That's how it's meant to work. In fact, Paul anticipates this gift being used in a congregational setting, just as many other gifts will be. In verse 26, what shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn? Or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let me ask you, are we often seeing tongue and interpretation happening in our meetings? No. Oh, I think we should expect a bit more. Those of you in a life group, are you regularly seeing tongues and interpretations in your life group? I doubt it, though I don't want to prejudge. Well, I think we should raise our expectation. I think it looks like New Testament biblical Christianity has this as a regular contribution amongst many contributions. All of which, he says, should be practiced so the church may be built up and later on in a fitting and orderly way. Now, here's an important point. Given that speaking in tongues is verse 2, Well, to who is tongues addressed? To God. What would you expect an interpretation of tongues to be addressed to? To God. I've often seen, I'm just trying to be honest with you, I've often seen someone bring a public tongue and the person who may well have the interpretation has just got muddled and brought it as if it's a prophecy. No, tongues is to God. Paul says that explicitly. Tongues is to God. Prophecy is to people. Yes? Tongues, people to God. Prophecy, God to people. Well, the interpretation we would almost always anticipate also being from person to God. And finally, whenever the church or life group meets, Paul says this. Two or three of you should speak in tongues. For those of you who are slightly worried that if people take this seriously, we're going to get into chaos. No, we're not. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Two or three. That'd be good. And then we'll move on. Quickly, how do I speak in tongues? Well, some of you will be familiar with exercising this gift. But if you're not, how do I get started? Well, in a minute... We'll go back into worship, and Landray is going to come and help us. But here are a few quick points for starters. Number one, you need to be biblically convinced. Don't start speaking in tongues just because, oh, that's what we seem to do around here. 
No, study the scriptures for yourselves. Do all speak in tongues? No, maybe it's not a gift I'll get, but Paul is clearly expecting that tongues is a widely given gift. If you haven't already, ask to be baptized in, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you may find, I've heard of people who have started speaking in tongues with extraordinary fluency. Have you heard of those sort of stories? People who have started speaking in tongues and it's just like they've never, you know, they've been speaking in tongues for years. Others, most people, like me, you need to be biblically convinced and then it might feel like, sound like, a few unusual sounds that I'm beginning to be given and it's like any gift. It needs to be learnt and practiced. Those sounds, by the way, are not simply noises and grunts usually. They are the beginnings of words in this spiritual language. So you may well find that you begin in a very faltering way. Please don't be put off. And please, if you're a Westerner, don't let the Western part of your brain say, this is completely silly, I don't understand what I'm doing. No. Is it in the Bible? Isn't that our first question? Yes, that's our first question. That's our ultimate question. Well, let's get on with it. I had a big danger of being overly rational. And I had to be biblically convinced. And I trust that you also will understand what Paul is teaching here. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't you want all that God has got for you? Yes! Well, it probably includes speaking in tongues. Lanry's going to come and help us in a minute. Let's stand, can we please? We're going to sing. Say, we need the Holy Spirit. Don't we need the Holy Spirit? We really need the Holy Spirit for every minute of every day and for the gift of speaking in tongues. And I'm trusting that some of you are going to pick up something that you used to do and others of you are just going to make a little start this morning that you might get practicing at home or maybe some of you will find fluency comes quickly.